0: Welcome to The Golden Shadow, the podcast about psychology, philosophy, myth, mysticism, and mystery. My name is Aaron Rogerson.
1: And I'm Alyssa Polizzi.
0: Today, we're talking about dreams. We're all familiar with dreams. We all have dreams. Sometimes we remember them. Sometimes we don't. But it's a very interesting topic. It's very deep. It speaks to the whole realm of the unconscious as a gateway into the unconscious as a way of illustrating what the unconscious can represent in our lives and that's why it's a very interesting thing for us to discuss
1: and complex very complex we should note that we really don't understand dreams very well but it's fun to explore right
0: right so we as an just collectively society yeah. does not understand dreams very well. Yeah. But we also as Alyssa and I <laughs> don't really understand dreams very well either. Yeah. But I, uh, I
1: think there's some sort of like kernels of truth in the patterns of, of diving in and trying to pull apart what's going on in the studies of other individuals. But at its core, I think if you um if you truly um believe that this might be part of some greater narrative of your own conscious um, and that is a part of yourself that you're not totally aware of, a.k.a. belonging to the unconscious realm, then we can't totally understand it. But mm-hmm. that's okay.
0: Mm-hmm. So dreams are interesting to talk about because everyone has a unique dream landscape. Yeah. You might even say dreamscape. I kind of like that word. Yeah, it's called dreamscape. Um, But it's fun to talk about dreams because it becomes clear that the dreamscape that i have is different than than the dreamscape that Alyssa has mm-hmm. and that my dreams in many ways reflect my personality yeah and reflect my experience mm-hmm. and um there are characters that appear in my dreams there are objects that appear in my dreams items mm. um weapons <laughs> there's uh settings uh there's definitely a tone to dreams i have that i mm. feel, feel like reflect in some sense, the way that I experience the world. Yeah. Um. So you can glean from this notion that there is something accessing something that is being accessed that is real in yeah. a dream. Right. That is speaking to who we are in yeah. some way, and it's not as simple as writing it off as a bunch of random nonsense. Hmm. Um. It's also important, as we already said, it's important not to overread dreams or pretend as if they are predicting the future or pretend as if our dreams speak to something very concrete that Mm. we can truly understand precisely what it means Yeah. Yeah, as in this dream about Edward means I'm going to marry Edward right we need to be careful about that.
1: Yeah, I think that there's a tendency to want to read into those aspects, whether it's appearing in dreams or some other symbolic form. Um, and I think that that speaks to a desire to really want to understand oneself, uh, what's really behind that phenomena when people have some sort of vivid dream that they might um, associate some sort of uh, realm of possibility to, you know, or they read like their their local newspaper horoscope or whatever it is, you know, we just, we definitely recognize this pattern inside of ourselves. And I think it speaks to that deeper psychological need to understand the unknown. Mm. And uh, we have to kind of approach it with a little bit more humbleness and openness and um, really kind of matching what we get from those experiences with what is real and what, what can be grounded.
0: Mm-hmm. Embrace the mystery. Yeah. Embrace the unknown, but also understand there's something to be learned. Yeah. Something that we can make some sense of that we can utilize to yeah. perhaps help us navigate our confusing existence. Yeah. So Alyssa, what is your dreamscape like?
1: My dreamscape? Um, I feel that often my My dreamscape has a lot of additions of of the people that I know Mm -hmm. um, coming up in all of these different dynamic ways. Sometimes I have dreams where there's a whole host of uh, individuals that I know from my friend group and there's this huge dramatic scene that's playing out. And when I wake up and I really start to think about it, I realize that none of those people who showed up in my dream really actually um, were those friends in real life which is to say despite dreaming about them I could see so much of myself in the version of this friend or that friend and the whole narrative actually spoke to some greater dynamic going on inside of myself Mm -hmm. Um, so I find that the way that my my consciousness really pulls from my life is through these very deep, meaningful connections that I have. Sometimes I feel like I dream of people in a way that it's difficult for me to feel like the I can connect the relation to my own life. Like I feel like in some ways I'm I'm just seeing some aspect of themselves playing out in my unconscious and I wake up really kind of thinking about their life and their experience. And this just speaks to this uh, really deep sort of humanistic, um, compassionate empathetic element i'm very person focused mm-hmm. and the people in my life are very meaningful and their experiences or just kind of like experiences of people in general is something that is very prominent for me and so a lot of what uh is going on in my dreamscape often has a lot to do with other people or their relation to me
0: right so you're a very extroverted person yeah you are concerned with other people yeah you just speaking from my personal experience, you, you orient yourself very much to take care of others Mm -hmm. to see what other people need in group, social situations. Um, you do care about how people are, uh, feeling and whether or not they're enjoying yourselves. And, um, so your, your dreamscape reflects this, I think in a way that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, um, I think, I think it's interesting that you talk about the people that appear in your dream as not necessarily being the individuals. Right. That's like literally the individuals. Well, of course, not literally. They're not, <laughs> they're not literally in your dream. But if you see a friend and the friend is Jim in yeah. the dream, it, it's not necessarily true that that's what the individual in the dream actually represents.
1: Right, right.
0: That it's like almost a container yes. for some aspect of your personality yeah. that you are projecting into this exactly object of the dream.
1: Yeah, and I think why that happens because who that person is to me, their personality traits, their characteristics, there's something about them that is representative of a part of myself. And so in some ways, when this mishmash of like associations begins, if I need to find a container for someone who's courageous and bold, I think, ah, yes, Jim. I mean, I'm not thinking it, but some part of me is, Mm -hmm. right? And so that container of courage and boldness um, starts to manifest in my dreams as my friend Jim. And when I actually think about it later on, sort of reflecting and analyzing the dream, I can really start to see how he's kind of a mask for that part of myself. Mm. But it's easier, of course, to dream about other people rather than like five versions of yourself.
0: Right, right. And this uh, it's its even more striking when, and I think this happens to everyone, when someone appears in, in your dream that you have not talked to or thought about in yeah. a very, very long time. Yeah. And it might even be someone that does not play any major role in your mm. life. Mm-hmm. Um, you Know it could be someone that you haven't spoken to for 10 years that you went to college with, maybe, yeah. and they just appear in your dream. Uh, it might be someone that you met yesterday, like at a sandwich shop or right, something, right. and like they don't you don't even know them, yeah, and yet they're in your dream. Yeah. And it's easy to be like, Well, that's very strange. Like, what is this person doing in my dream? Maybe this person means something yeah. to me what that's really important. Mean? Should I contact them, <laughs> etc.? But It's important to understand what you're you're describing is that um, someone from your past, even someone you didn't really know very well, Mm -hmm. might represent in your mind um, uh, innocence or someone who is kind of a bystander or an observer or um, your unconscious wants to fill these containers with the materials that are there in your mind somewhere.
1: Yeah, if we hearken back to that conversation of the conscious and unconscious dynamic, we have to recognize that some part of us is taking in way more information than we realize. Like our consciousness really has a set of limitations. It, it can't overload the mainframe taking in like how this person kind of looked this way and the tone of voice of that person, it, it hones in on certain things. But maybe something about that bystander, the way that they talk, the, the the interactions that you somewhat kind of notice between them and mm-hmm. the deli clerk, you know, put them in the unconscious realm as someone who's open and kind and caring. And then suddenly they emerge in the dream as that kind of figure, you know, some part of you picked that up, picked up that pattern and sort of placed it into that repository of the mm-hmm. unconscious. Yeah,
0: the repository. And, uh, it, it really speaks to this idea that each of us has a personal mythology mm-hmm. yes. and that there are, um, that our, that our experience, the way that we actually interact with the world, the, the language of our experience is a narrative. Yeah. Which is why we find stories in movies and in um, video games, right? We, we find these sort of narrative arcs to be compelling because right. it's actually the way that we relate to the world yeah. in some regards. So we develop our own personal mythologies where our life is a story. The unconscious is organizing it that way mm. in some mm-hmm. sense. And there are players in your life, for instance, that might represent um, various motifs that we find in mythology. Yeah. Like you might you might have um, a friend that uh, you consider to be really um, trustworthy and powerful and courageous and charismatic. And there's a mythology about them right. that you have. They're, they're a hero mm-hmm. in some sense. And so you might dream um, some strange narrative in your dream where this person is doing something that is strangely mythologically heroic. Right. Um, and, you know, that that might just mean like leading a group of your friends to um, climb over a mountain or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um
1: in that same vein, we can also look at the collective mythologies that can come up in this space as well. Because if we're dealing with the archetypal realm and our connection to that, that space of our existence, you might also have then the emergence of these deeper archetypal themes that take the container of the courageous hero, but this time you're like actually dreaming of like Hercules or maybe like Aragorn from Lord of the Rings or something. Mm -hmm. Like maybe it's not your friend Jim, but it's actually being held by this um, more collective container. And that's really interesting, something to take note of, something to even um, expand upon if these more... Collective themes show up in the dreamscape that don't seem as personal as someone you knew.
0: Right. Right. And that, that speaks to the sort of archetypal nature of, um, well, of our psychology. Yeah. The the archetypes play a role in, um, shaping the way that we interact with the information that we Mm -hmm. encounter, but that the collective way that's happening. So a lot of the really popular fiction we have or some of the fiction that's been retained for, you know, generations, um, is very archetypal mm. and has provided a pre-filled container for you. Yeah, definitely. In some regard, and that's what Aragorn or Hercules might represent. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, there's a lot going on here with dreams. Um a lot of a lot of meat to chew on, you yeah. might say. Personally, for uh my dreamscape, just in reflection to uh, Alyssa's um I would say also reflects my personality a lot. And my dreams are very often me wandering alone in fantastical, not always adventure like scenarios, but often like wandering through the wilderness Mm. and meeting people along the way and Mm -hmm. meeting people that I know in real life. Yeah. Um, and searching for things, Mm. um, I have a lot of dreams where there's a conflict that Mm. I'm in the middle of like war Mm. or, um, being chased, Mm -hmm. things like that. So my, my dreams feel very action packed sometimes, but the, the, but the motif of loneliness Mm. and space is a common thing for Mm. me. And I think that reflects, um, my personality and my experience Mm. which is like in many ways i do process the world um as someone who is you know pretty alone pretty pretty much an outsider a lot of the time
1: but a lot of these adventures are also being fueled by some sort of like heroic nature like if you are adventuring are you often leading a pack or doing something for the greater good
0: yeah they're not sad you know and that's i mean that's important i guess it sounds pretty sad (laughs) but that that's an important thing is that like th- these don't feel like dreams where I'm just like so lonely and right. just like crawling around like in like <laughs> the tundra just by myself. It's it's just it's just the way, the tone of my dreams are very much, wandering. Yeah, and there's power in it. yeah Um, definitely and i I have something else that i think is very interesting in my dreams is i have recurring objects Mm. there's a uh a camping knife okay and i I think i've mentioned this to you before but there's a camping knife that i've i've had for 10 years now that for some reason was picked up by my unconscious as a a very um i don't know i don't want to say useful but but this appears in my dreams often because it's symbolic and it's available Mm. and i often have this knife on me Mm. and it's like to me clearly represents some sort of item of power
1: yeah Yeah. um
0: or a tool something that has a lot of utility Mm -hmm. um or it might symbolize something else i don't know
1: yeah it's interesting um thing to note about what's happening in one's dreamscape and what are the patterns that you're seeing and then how does that really speak to some deeper connection that you have or um, like why is it a knife and not a gun or mm-hmm. a knife and not a flamethrower or something like that? Like how does that actually speak to your psychology?
0: Yeah.
1: Because <laughs> you laugh at flamethrower but for some people well, I, I they do might. Own a flamethrower
0: but it, it doesn't appear in my dreams for some reason. It doesn't make
1: the cut. Yeah. Um, for me, I feel like a sort of recurring symbolic power form in my dreams is usually something that's way more like magical in nature. Like mm-hmm. actually, the dream that I had last night, things were getting really intense, and I started weaving this like big golden magic energy around me and mm-hmm. was almost doing like this prayer or like incantation, yeah. which I think for you, you can probably say, like yep, that sounds like Alyssa. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like just very magical, fantastical, kind of sorceress
0: nature, right. That's, that's the character that you choose that you identify with. And this is, you know, another game that we play often is, is thinking about, uh, which character would you be in this story or this movie?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, or even if you're choosing a character in like a game, Dungeons and Dragons or a video game, for instance, it's like you you gravitate towards a sorceress, (laughs) summoner, (laughs)
1: uh,
0: type character. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that speaks to the way that you see yourself right. or what what kind of role you envision yourself playing mm. in the world mm. and in group situations, which is one who possesses great power yeah, um, in a way that is not quite as concrete or as tangible.
1: Right. It's not uh, super grounded, right?
0: Right. There, there is there is kind of this notion. It's about, not realistic. Right, but the the like the tormented sorceress who like mm. has so much power, but like she doesn't know how to control it, <laughs> and part of her journey is like learning how to control her power. Right. Um, which I think, which I think speaks to you know your experience right. in life, and uh, you know by contrast is like the way I see myself mytho- mythological as yeah. as a character if I choose a character, is I like the character that has a sword.
1: Right. Right yeah
0: um that's that's what I'm most drawn to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I find I find like y- using a bow to be interesting also right, right. like the oven like legalist character., mm. um, but mostly just like the the guy who has a sword <laughs> and like that's how I identify. It. It's like I like the idea of like being a powerful being, right that has a sword.
1: it's a it's a simple heroism.
0: yeah, um, it is simple and then like mm-hmm. that's the knife in my dreams. yeah, I, I right. think is in some sense is like, it's just like this simple straightforward power that's readily available to me. I carry around with me and I have it at all times. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I don't know that it speaks to something that's, um, some way of orienting myself towards the world.
1: Yeah. And I think that's, what's really happening in this, in this place in our consciousness where we're sort of, um, pulling from all of these scattered associations of people we know, um, our own sort of personal mythology, how we view ourselves, who we saw yesterday or last week, um, things that are sort of building and um, forming inside of ourselves. And all of that then plays out in this really um, just um, otherworldly landscape mm-hmm. at night. And it's really interesting, actually, to really start to dive in and understand what that means for oneself.
0: So just on a more psychological level. Sure. Yeah. Um, how might we actually try to define like dreams? Like what's, what's really happening on a more sciencey type level, let's say, or, or we have this notion of what dreams are. Everyone's kind of familiar with the dream experience Mm -hmm. because they have dreams. Um, what's the unconscious really doing and how, how can we interpret what the unconscious is doing? Like why dream at all? Like why have any dreams?
1: Yeah. I think it, it seems like a very necessary function Mm. and we're not the only, Animals, air quotations, that dream, right? right, right. Like sure. we watch dogs,
0: right? Go on, go on YouTube and look up a uh, sleepwalking dog. So
1: cute, or you are yeah. just like running yeah. in their mm-hmm. sleep. There's some sort of function that's happening for us during this period of rest that seems necessary to um, our minds um, continuing to function um, in a balanced way. Mm-hmm. So it certainly seems to bring a sense of processing. I often wake up feeling that way sometimes after a lot of things have been going on, yeah. emotional processing, um, just brain dynamics sort of firing off and associations pulling here and there. And yet right. I can kind of wake up and there's a sense of that something was kind of going on in some way. Maybe yeah. I'm feeling a little bit more at rest and more at ease. Yeah. Um, so I, I think partly there there's some sort of regulation happening.
0: Right, right. The, bra- the brain is – well, the body is at work um, processing, regenerating, mm. healing. Mm. I mean, when we sleep, that is, it's not just laying down right is how you regain your energy. It's right. like the actual mode yeah. of sleep is a um, state that the body enters in and says, okay, everyone, it's time to like regenerate. It's time to heal. It's time mm-hmm. to get back to work. And um, that's that's interesting. I mean, part of, part of the aspect, um, when we think of processing as being what happens when we dream, that's that's part of it and makes sense but there's also this sort of this notion of like why are the dreams not about what happened
1: right. today right
0: like if they were just processing right. would they just be processing what happened yeah and it's not just there's that. it's more complicated than yeah. that and so the the dreamscape is being constructed from all these different pools of material mm-hmm. inside of you yeah and um there's, you know, I think another notion we have with dreams is that something is just playing, mm. like a movie is mm. being constructed while the brain is working on other stuff. Yeah. So yeah. redirecting whatever ego consciousness is mm. towards a different place while mm. the brain is often in the back, in the back end, regenerating things right. is some notion. I, I know in that movie, like Inside Out, the, the Pixar movie, uh-huh. that's what dreams are in the movie. It's like they just have people who are like filming. Like filming a little scene can distract the sleeper in Um, some sense.
1: Yeah. And that's not um, an uncommon um, approach to understanding dreams. And I think there's truth to that. Mm -hmm. I really do. I don't think that every dream we have that we have like bits and pieces that we remember holds – um, a lot of insight, I think in some ways, like there are things probably happening in that space that just need, um, you know, to be put on tracks and, and let it happen because right. other stuff is happening. Um, so we have to be open to all of those realms of right. possibility.
0: Right. And then the fact, I think the fact that we can have dreams and this is, this is a longer discussion that we're probably not going to get into. But the fact that we can have bad dreams, mm, we can mm-hmm. have terrifying dreams, yes. the fact that dreams can uh, do something that makes us wake up mm-hmm. like screaming. Yeah. You know, if it was just processing the events of yesterday, yeah. or if it was just playing a movie mm-hmm. while you sleep, it's like, well, why this terror? Yeah. What's the point of that? Right. Um, and I think that alludes to this idea that there's material that is being pulled up.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: By the dream weaver, you might say, to to construct the dream, and it's coming in and out of different, uh different sources mm-hmm. of material, and that it might cross an area of your psyche that is painful, yeah, or that is a traumatized area right. that you're closed off to, yeah, um, some points that you're really, really suppressing right. when you're awake yeah, and for some reason the dream weaver let's say wanders into that area yeah. and pulls upon something that you actually are not ready to let into consciousness
1: right and that's where i think the interesting idea behind the compensatory nature of dreams comes Mm. in where it's like maybe you should start acknowledging some of this repressed Mm. trauma that you have and as that starts to emerge it's like (laughs) like so overwhelming Mm. even in the dreamscape that it can morph into this like nightmarish scary violent intense uh dream Mm. but what's interesting um that i think for many people that often when they work even with intense scary nightmarish dreams that um what felt too overwhelming actually doesn't end up being as scary or bad when the individual maybe starts to face what's actually in the dream itself whether that's in the conscious world or a shift in the in the actual dream where one starts to face like the scary monster that's running towards them um or what have you
0: So where's the gold in this shadow?
1: <laughs> AK. how can we do some shadow work around dreams, right?
0: How can we ground this discussion in real world application?
1: It's a good question. So let's discuss it.
0: Time for shadow work. Time
1: for shadow work, yes. Um, so if we're approaching dreams in this framework of our shadow We acknowledge that we're interacting with a space that we just don't know very well. We might Mm -hmm. have a sense of it. We might kind of have some ideas here and there. But we have to humbly begin this journey recognizing that we have a lot to learn.
0: Right. I mean, even from the get-go, most of us don't really remember our dreams very well. Yeah, step one. (laughs) Step one is like you don't remember your dreams. Yeah. You probably do when you first wake up. Yeah. You might have like a small portion of time yeah maybe even like less than a minute yeah where like you might remember something yes. that you dreamed about yes and that is the time to write it down yeah
1: that's like tip number one write it down as soon as possible and try not to move around too much uh, like don't get up and you know because you put your dream notebook in the other room mm keep it close by Try not to move your body around too much you're trying to kind of keep yourself in that space of sort of awakening into consciousness and holding on to those images or those feelings that you woke up with
0: right so keeping a dream journal is what we're talking about yes beginning to track your dreams in some way yeah so how might we get started on that
1: Yes, well, it's really up to the individual to decide what feels natural to them. Some people really do enjoy writing them by hand. So they'll have a physical notebook um, nearby. You can use your phone, um, which usually everyone has um, close to their bed. So you can take a voice memo if that's easier for you. Or you can pull up you know, a writing app or something like that and begin to note the dreams and all the dynamics that you remember Um, or, you know, write it on your computer if that's close by, if you have a Mm -hmm. laptop.
0: Yeah. Personally, I, you know, I have an iPhone and, uh, there is a notes app Mm -hmm. on your iPhone built in. Right. You can also get plenty of free apps for for note taking, Mm -hmm. but, uh, I have my notes app connected to all my devices. Right. I wake up, I have a dream. I write it in the notes. Mm -hmm. I try to do it quickly. Um, you know, and, uh, usually I just leave a date and that's how i keep track of it yep. have, uh, and then i have a larger journal on a yes. computer that i keep it in with all these dates with all these dreams
1: yeah think about how you want to file things because it's helpful to be able to go back to this um to these recordings or to your entries and and actually reflect back upon dreams that you've been having and being able to date them and know um when they happened what month what year what time of your life um, was, was that dream emerging um, can help you understand the greater narrative of your dreamscape and what's happening for you. And I think that's what kind of takes me into like tip number two is like as you begin to actually record your dreams, it's time to start understanding the greater picture of what's evolving here. Mm -hmm. And by doing this, by writing down your dreams every day and not just kind of writing it and then forgetting and doing nothing with it, starting to really look for patterns, um, recurring motifs. Um, characters people who are coming up environments places Mm. you're really trying to start creating a vocabulary and a grammar for your dream
0: right so keeping track of your own personal mythology Mm -hmm. as we alluded to earlier your own personal repository right of dream objects you might say whether that's people or items Mm -hmm. or settings yeah or even more rare things like music sometimes or Colors yes. Or uh, words, people say. Sure, like, who knows? sure, there's yes. Always, it's, I mean, it's, it's unlimited what That's you might it. appear in your dream. It's a very
1: interesting point to bring up because I think, I don't know, it's hard to know for sure. I haven't, like, talked to a ton of people. But mm. I think for the most part, people wake up with a sense of what happened in the dream and interactions. But there's not often words that you really remember. But mm. sometimes you wake up and there is... A statement that is stuck with you Mm. um and that's very important write that down or maybe as you said it's like a piece of music if you're a musician especially sometimes we'll dream about music itself like a song lyrics things like that right
0: i i actually this is probably strange but like i'm a pretty serious musician and have been for my adult for my entire adult life but i often have dreams where i write songs yeah. in my dreams yeah like there was a song in my dream and it's not a real song mm. i just wrote it in my dream yeah. and i actually get up and i write and record the song down <laughs> yeah and it's like that's my dream song that's right. weird um and that can be interesting yeah as to what that means
1: yeah um it's important to mark down those specific events and and work with them. Then, um, so we're tracking patterns. We're looking to see what the the general like vocabulary and the 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 symbology, the imagery that's really being drawn from your unconscious. And when you start to understand that and see those patterns, you can also track and notice changes in them. Um, so if one has this recurring dream motif of being chased and maybe who's chasing you or what entity and the setting is always different, but there's a sense of that, that movement of the need to get away, that something's coming for you, but suddenly things start to shift. You might start to look at other areas of your life and think, what is this aligned to, you know, is something going on in your conscious life where you are making a shift in your attitude is some element of you transforming? Is that now being reflected in mm-hmm. your dreamscape? You only really get that by putting in the work of the somewhat daily dream tracking.
0: Right. So, a good place to start might be: you have a dream, you wake up, you write it down immediately Mm -hmm. if you can, Mm -hmm. or record it. Yeah. Voice, voice, uh, voice memo. If that's easier for you, and um, a date, and then you can title your dream. If you have a certain sort of experience in the dream, you can give it a title. Sure. Certain tone or Mm -hmm. feeling. Mm -hmm. You can write that down. Yes. Uh, People that appeared in your dream, objects, whatever. You can put all those things at the top of this little note you're writing in this little journal Mm -hmm. entry at the top, Um, you know, in parentheses, uh, you know, two fifteen, two thousand twenty, 2020 title, my nightmarish, van trip <laughs> um and then parentheses uh joe bessie and jackson were in the dream uh scary mm-hmm. but a weird twist at the end like you know yeah stuff like that and then below that you can actually write a more detailed description of what happened yeah like scene by scene yeah if, if you want yeah but being able to go through your dreams and just see these motifs at the top yes is a good way to track it and to begin to develop a, you might even say like a system or yeah. science right. of your own dreams.
1: Yes. I think it's not super common to give a title to the dream, mm. but I think that it's actually a pretty interesting practice that you might find pretty difficult initially, but trying to conceptualize it or pull um, from something with inside of yourself the, the main um, overarching um, aspect Actually, might speak to something going on in the dream that you didn't realize. So it's like the act of analyzing and Mm -hmm. the act of introspection that actually often reveals further associations, insights. And that's kind of the main work around doing dream analysis. It's not just to track it for the sake of tracking it and you just sort of forget. You're trying to draw things outside of yourself and become more aware, become more conscious, have that dialogue between you and yourself Mm -hmm. um, and really understand how it reflects to what's happening in your life right now. That's a big important question. What's going on? What happened in the last few days? What kind of inner dynamic is this speaking to? How does this relate to my life and what I'm experiencing?
0: Yeah, and this is true for just regular journaling, but if you externalize these things, the more, the more that you take the contents of your unconscious or of your conscious, whatever, but the more you externalize things by writing them down, um, journaling, putting them on a piece of paper, The the more you can look at them objectively, Mm -hmm. the more you can bring things into conscious awareness by systematically taking a look at them. That's why journaling is useful. Mm -hmm. And for dream journaling, um, the more you can bring this outside of you onto paper. Right the more you bring it into consciousness yes. and you begin to recognize patterns that you never would yes. have just by thinking about yeah. your dream and then just forgetting about it. Yeah. Um,
1: That's that core of shadow work, the mm-hmm. stuff that we're just not paying attention to for whatever reason, you know? Right. Maybe we don't have the time. Maybe we don't, don't want to look. But it's these types of actions that really can apply to many things outside of dream work mm-hmm. that really allow us to start growing in awareness of mm-hmm. ourselves and mm-hmm. in our, in our life.
0: So how else can we use these dreams let's say once we've written them down Mm -hmm. what other applications might be useful
1: i think it's important to explore a couple of different realms once you have the dream which is you know what what does it mean to you? How is it speaking to those inner dynamics? And what can you do to actually follow up upon um, reflecting on these things? Mm-hmm. Especially if the the dream seems to speaking to some, something inside of yourself that's kind of trying to emerge, some part of yourself that you need to process. Um, it's time to sort of continue that externalization process Mm. and maybe do some further meditation on the dream images. Um, You can explore the technique of active imagination, which often uses um, some sort of... Aspect of a dream, whether that's an image or a character or some feeling tone, and beginning there and exploring it in a more active, sort of meditative style. And active imagination can take the form of um, a sitting meditation where you sort of expand that imagery in your mind and sort of follow it, but it also can be through painting, drawing, um, music, um, dancing, things like that. You're just sort of trying to embody. That imagery and that dy- unconscious dynamic more,
0: and seeing how it grows. Right, and the the dream can serve as a bit of a, an access point mm-hmm. to the unconscious yeah. realm yeah. that you can actually um, anchor onto yes, in some yeah. regard and make these connections to the unconscious that otherwise would be hidden from you. Yeah, um, yeah, and that's why it can be used i think for a lot of therapeutic applications yes um, and Espe- if, if you have a therapist even you can wrap yes. your dreams yes and talk As, to
1: them. that's what i was gonna say mm-hmm. especially um you know you don't have to be working with like a Jungian an- analyst specifically to do dream work um the the mind of the therapist and how they know you can also be a helpful um place to really take the dream content into the the therapeutic um, relationship and explore it because they know parts of you already that, um, they, that you're trying to work on and that you're trying to realize. And that's, can be also said for people that, you know, in your life, your close friends and, um, family discussing your dreams with them, um, can be helpful because they might offer an interesting insight that you hadn't considered. At the same time, you are your own creator of the dream space. Um, kind of always following what feels true to you is important not letting someone else dictate it or not pulling up the old dream symbolism book and being like ah I dreamt of a rose and that means that okay got it figured out
0: are we supposed to shadow work managed okay
1: I wasn't sure we were stuck
0: (laughs) And now it's time to answer some questions from our audience. Why do I always dream of pain being inflicted on me? Death. Sometimes it's really graphic.
1: Well, it makes me think initially about shadow content that feels painful, difficult, even traumatic in nature. Maybe carries this feeling tone experience of badness, scary, stay away. And when we think about that unconscious content holding things inside of ourselves that we're not paying attention to, that might be manifesting in the dreamscape as this violent, um, um, you know, killing dynamic that's playing out for you.
0: Could be something perhaps, um, that you were suppressing yeah. quite a bit and yeah. it's sort of trying to break free. There might be a, a undercurrent of anxiety in your life that yeah. you're not in touch with. And yeah. so it manifests in the only way that it can, which yeah. is in the dream world.
1: Yeah, an interesting um, sort of pattern that a lot of the union analysts saw in dreams was that this sort of archetypal um playing field of of violent nature cropping up in dreams um was associated a lot with people with a lot of intense trauma in their life Mm -hmm. and that in the dreamscape this sort of archetypal um system was ignited where you would have especially someone needs to work on their trauma or um, are beginning to work on it that you might see these very violent characters appearing which are sort of manifestations of that grief or that traumatic element
0: Something that you should pay attention to, probably, Yeah. if this is happening to you. Yeah, definitely. And pursue some kind of therapy, perhaps. Mm Mm-hmm. As everyone always should. Everyone should pursue pursue therapy. Yeah, therapy's great. Okay. Um, Do you think dreams mostly come from the pineal gland releasing slight amounts of DMT?
1: I feel like... My, my reaction to this is I'm not even sure if there's any scientific proof behind this claim, although it feels like it's kind of like a general idea or maybe even um, a uh, certain hypothesis that some people are throwing around.
0: Yeah, I can understand people trying dmt right and thinking this is kind of like dreams right and i, I understand the d- desire to make a connection yeah I, honestly, I don't know if there's any science behind this right i kind of assume there's not feels honestly, like
1: an urban but, legend in a way
0: but the i mean for people who don't know anything about dmt it is an incredibly powerful psychedelic yeah. drug that i think recently has become available accessible more in accessible urban areas yeah. it's, it's uh, a different form of it is um ayahuasca is that correct um it's like a different way of interacting with the dmt compound it it's like shamanic journeying traditionally mm,
1: mm. yeah they might be related i don't know specifically if the compound in ayahuasca is dmt i guess we
0: should have done some research first <laughs> but um dmt does result in a very psychedelic experience where you do experience things like ego death and like leaving your body mm. and um I do think that anytime that we are doing anything that involves ego death, you Mm. might say, and I think that includes going to sleep at Mm. night in some sense, consciousness is dissolving or it's entering a different mode of operation in which it's not constructing a waking reality. And therefore the unconscious is coming up to the surface and constructing reality that's happening in DMT. It's Mm. happening in dreams Mm. Um, the unconscious is very amorphous, and mysterious, and manifests in all these interesting ways. Yeah. It doesn't mean that when you're dreaming, you're on DMT mm. or vice versa. Right. Okay. Uh, dreams that we're going to analyze very quickly. Mm-hmm. These are short, short dreams that people have written in. Uh, a volcano erupts and destroys cars and people as I run into a hotel of chaos and deceit.
1: This is a really intense sounding dream.
0: Yes. I wonder if that really is all there was to it.
1: (laughs) I'm sure there was more, um, which shows you the limitation in... um, dream analysis when we don't have further insights into what's going on and what was your experience? Like, were you running? Were you part of like the chaos? Um, all of those details actually give you, um, the deeper narrative of what's really happening. But Mm. in general, if we look at this idea of a volcano, which is this deeply, um, chaotic, um, and destructive force um, it, it certainly represents something in the, the consciousness of an individual.
0: Sure.
1: Where something is being totally leveled out. You know, if a city is being overrun with lava and there's destruction everywhere, there's really a feeling that uh, things are falling down. Things are being sort of the structure, the framework of whatever is going on is right. being pulled down and just completely leveled
0: out. So, yes.
1: this dynamic. Um, is something that I would want the dreamer to explore in their own life.
0: Definitely. Very, very important to have context. We, we can't... We are analyzing dreams without context. Obviously, <laughs> yes. we, we are doing that, but it's, it's important to understand that you can't really analyze dreams very effectively if you don't understand the context. Yeah. Um, but a volcano, it's apocalyptic, end of times. Right. Some more even uh, overall notion of just everything collapsing and there's nowhere to go Mm. the only place to go is a hotel Mm. of uh chaos and deceit which means that that's probably not a place of refuge either no but it might imply that you have an underlying sense of anxiety Mm. and needing to find shelter and safe space and you can't find it
1: you can't find it
0: um and that sounds like a pretty awful dream yeah even though that's not necessarily implied by what they wrote right um, again deep anxiety the unconscious in some sense is coming up to say there's a lot of anxiety in here there's Mm -hmm. a lot of things that are not being processed Mm -hmm. perhaps this individual was suppressing a lot of um conflict
1: yeah or or maybe they're in the process of of tearing down a lot yeah in their life and you need to kind of bring that like destructive force of just like okay some things really need like the the bulldozer and the wrecking ball um and that might be approach that's actually needed in a situation so another possibility Mm -hmm. next dream. last night i dreamt i saw a cockroach in my car I was sitting in the front seat and there was a dead cockroach next to me. Two of them were running at the dashboard. I feel worried. I'm afraid that cockroaches can breed in my car.
0: Okay, well, those are very archetypal images. The cockroach is something that in the dream uh, won't go away or Mm. is... Returning despite being squashed or returning despite being cleaned out—I mean, that's how cockroaches behave in real life. They're very difficult to get rid of. Right. Um, we do find them to be disgusting in some sense. They represent some some sense of um, something being unclean, mm. um, something rotting. Mm. Um, anyways, so being stuck in a car, claustrophobic, trapped in a closed area. That's unclean unsafe gross and these problems that you were trying to resolve keep coming back
1: And I I find that the emergence of cars in dreams at least personally anecdotally always speaks a lot to like uh, this container of myself. I feel like when dream, when a car, when I dream of my car mm. or I'm looking for my car. And I think the individual who wrote in is like, she's worried that the cop car is going to be able to breed in her car. So it's like, this is a, a symbolic form of, you know, your own psychology, your own experience, your own life. Um, that these um, things that really don't belong, that you feel some sort of disgust towards, you um, are emerging despite your efforts to um, stomp them out.
0: Do you have a question for us? Do you have a dream you'd like us to analyze? Is there a topic you'd like us to cover?
1: We want to hear from you. Contact us through a submission form which can be found at our Instagram page at golden shadow podcast. Or if you're listening on YouTube, you can find the link in the description down below.
0: Thanks for listening. See you later. If you find this podcast useful, please consider supporting us on Patreon. These podcasts are only possible with the support of viewers like you.